Welcome to Refresh, particularly if it's your first time, love having you here. Um, come again if you so desire. Um, we have been going through a series uh, over the last three weeks, well, this is the third week, uh, called the Sinai Code. And um, we actually, for anyone who hasn't been here before, we, we make um, no apologies, we actually find our, our material basically off the internet and thought, no. Well, sort of, yes, but we do, uh, we do resource a fair bit of our stuff and, and we like to try and bring you stuff that's probably better than what we can come up with ourselves. But um, we've been going through this, uh, this uh, series called the Sinai Code and it's on the Ten Commandments. Now, now, the Ten Commandments can be pretty, like, that's pretty heavy-duty Christian stuff, right? Like, that's like, you know, this is like, okay, the Ten Commandments. If you talk about, you know, if someone wants to say, well, what's a Christian? It's all someone who follows the Ten Commandments and, you know, what's the Ten Commandments and... Probably if we asked that question, you might be able to give us five or six, maybe, if you're, good, you know, if you're on a good day type thing. Um, but uh, Jason, Jason Brody's not here today, but he, he took our first series, obviously not going to preach all three again, but, um, but he talked basically that the Ten Commandments are not a condition of God's love. This is the important thing. It's not a condition of God's love. It's not like we have to keep everything perfect. And then once we reach some sort of perfection, then he's going to go, oh, well, now you're good enough. But instead of that... God actually gave the Ten Commandments to people He already loved, who were not following the commandments, who were not doing the right thing, but He gave them because He loved them and He gave them so that they could enjoy um, what He had in store for them. And so the Ten Commandments are not a, uh, not a condition, but a, um, but a response. They're confirmation, they're confirmation of love. So that's the first thing. Now, in the second week, Simo... Uh, Simo stepped up here and basically went through the first and second actual commandments. First commandment is, um, you know, have no other gods before me. Second commandment is basically don't make images of me. And basically what he's saying, what Simo said there, just to fill you in just real, real brief, what he said there is put God first before everything. Like absolutely, I mean, you put God first and the other stuff will sort itself out. And that graven images thing, that whole, you know, don't, don't make pictures and images of me, basically what the whole idea behind that is don't put God in a box. Don't think that you can reduce God down to this little image and, and back in the day they had idols and all this sort of weird stuff that we sort of don't see too much or most of us probably don't see too much in, in today, uh, particularly in our culture and other cultures maybe, yes. But, but this whole idea, don't put God in a box, that God's much bigger than that. And so those two, those two sort of went sort of fairly well together in that put God first. He is a, such a, a big God, you will not contain Him. You cannot contain Him, don't even try. And so today we're going through to... Uh, uh, come up number three and four, and and these are it's an interesting one because as we get into uh, commandment number three, um, it's probably one I would suggest probably one of the most misunderstood commandments that we have. So we're going to jump straight into it, um, and here it is. I might even just read it off the screen. So if you've got a Bible there, if you use it or whatever, it's Exodus chapter twenty verse seven. We've got the text on the screen as well. And, and so this is what it says, it says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. Now, I don't know what you think that means, and if, and I don't know, like, I don't know what your background is, maybe, you know, you completely, this is the first time you've ever stepped into a church, or it's the first time forever and ever you've ever stepped into a church. Um, maybe you've, you've been in churches for years and years, you know, since you were 
like all our little kids that just took off, you know, since you were a young kid, you, you've been in churches and you've heard, heard this type of stuff. And when it gets to this commandment and it says, you know, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, what does that mean? And if you're like me, this was probably my understanding for a, a, lot, of, a lot of my life, and that was that basically, if you hit your thumb or if someone annoys you, you shouldn't add God in the mix of, their, of your cursing and your swearing and your, you know, your, that sort of thing. So, you know, don't just misuse the name of Jesus Christ. Don't misuse the name of God. Don't, don't say his name for no reason. Don't just in vain. You know? And that's, that's a bit of a concept. And in fact, even if you look at what the, the Israelites, they're the people, like God's chosen people that actually received these Ten Commandments back in the old days, you know, Moses on the mountain, all that sort of stuff. Those, those people um, took it probably even to the extreme when, when they were actually copying out, when they were actually copying out the Scriptures, like, you know, obviously there's no press print on your computer type scenario, they're copying out the printers by hand, uh, sorry, printing out the Scriptures by hand, they would actually, the story is that they would actually be writing away and when they get to the word God, they would have such reverence for this word God that they would put their pen down, pick up a, a fresh pen and a clean pot of ink, like a, a separate pot of ink and dip, write the word God. Next word, put that one down, go back to the old pen. So that, like, and that's how they'd copy and every time they got to the word God, don't misuse his name, something very special, they'd pick up another pick up that, that special pen, special pot of ink, write it, away you go. And even to the point where, you know, if you go later on in history into, into through the Israelites, into Jesus' time and stuff, stuff like that, they wouldn't even say his name or they wouldn't, they wouldn't write his name. They'd actually miss, some, miss, the, miss the vowels in, in, in the word so, so that there was no chance. There was no chance. They wouldn't even, they wouldn't even say his name because so they, they didn't want to get it wrong. That's pretty extreme, right? Like when I... We, we use the word God, we write the word God, that's probably not in our culture, in our society. Um, but I would like to suggest that that's probably not really the meaning. That's not a bad thing, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but that's probably not really what it meant. Because I think that when you look at those Israelites in Jesus' time, they've actually, I would suggest, they've actually missed the whole point of this. And in fact, in their very efforts to try and keep it like so holy, so sanctified, so pure, whatever religious word you want to add to that, they've missed the whole point and they've just got it all screwed up. Um, if you look at the word vain, particularly if you look at the word vain, how it was the original language, this was in Hebrew in the Old Testament, you look in the word vain, it, it, means, it means not just vanity as in, like you know when you look in the mirror a lot and you like what you see, that sort of stuff, um, it, 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 it's this false uh, it means um, tell lies, deceived, um, uh, worthless and stuff like that. So it has this concept of don't take the Lord's God, the, Lord's, the Lord your God's name in vain. It doesn't necessarily mean don't just say it willy-nilly, but it actually means don't deceive yourself with it. Well, what does that, what does that really mean? I think it really means... Don't associate the name of God with something that God is not associated with. Let me say that again. Don't associate the name of God with something that God's not associated with. Now, let me explain. This is the first time here. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of history on my life. Very, very short history. Uh, um, I was a farm boy, grew up on a farm. 
worked on properties and stuff like that before. Instead of chasing cows, we started chasing kids. Okay, so that's, um, that, was my, that was my background. Now, one of the places that I worked uh, was a place called Sandalwood Feedlot. I was, I was cropping manager, I was growing grain and all that sort of stuff for, these, uh, for, a, for a feedlot out at Dolby. And, and I used to have a work shirt okay, that had, had, the, had the sandalwood. Now, I've, I've worn those shirts out and I haven't got one anymore. And I went looking for one, I couldn't find it. And I thought, oh, I must have, they're all gone. But I did have a jacket that was given to me from work. This was. It's even got my name on it, all right? So it's like, that's, like I just had to explain why this little thing here you don't see too often, you know, kicking around the streets of Brisbane, maybe, but unless it's like someone real weird. Um, so here we have, uh, here we have um, it's even got my name on it. Um, the boss treated us to, uh, to a jacket if we worked for them for one year because he had a bit of a problem with turnover of staff, but um, so he was trying to encourage us to stick around, um, which was good. But... But I would wear my shirt, and this is my jacket, but I would wear a shirt, and when I went into, when I went into town, I would purchase stuff, like, because I was a, one of the managing guys there, so you'd go into town, you'd, you'd buy chemical, you'd buy fertiliser, you'd buy um, fuels or hardware stuff or whatever, you'd go to all these different shops and you'd go in there and say, like, I'm not paying for it, right? <laughs> like, I'm Neil Redmond, can't afford this, they didn't pay me enough for that. Book it up, you know, put it on the account, sandalwood feedlot. And so that's what I'd do. But, Obviously, in times past before I got there, people probably took a bit of liberty and were booking things up that no one really had much of an idea of who it was for or why it was from. People would walk in and say, um, put it on the Sandalwood Feedlots account and then no one would ever see it again. You know, and if you're in a, if you're in a business, you understand what I'm saying. So, so, of course, out comes the purchase order book. Uh, so that keeps track of everyone's... everyone's business dealing. So for those who don't know what a purchase order book is, just real quick. So basically, I had a, I had a purchase order book, I had an order book, I'd take that in, I'd write on that um, what it was, what it was for, and on that was a particular number. I'd tear off my, I'd write it in my book, that was my book. I'd actually give it to the person if I'm, let's say, going to buy some fertiliser for the farm. I'd go in, I want such and such, you know, I want so many tonnes of this, here's my purchase order number. And so when they sent the account for the accountant to pay, they could cross-reference that and make sure that I was actually purchasing these products in the name of Sandalwood Feedlot. Make sense? It's pretty hot in here, I'll take that one off, but quite often, quite often we do stuff saying, I'm a Christian, I represent God, and I'm doing nothing that God would like me to do. Does that make sense? We often and often you see other Christians who are doing some pretty full-on things that if you imagine if you were God and they're going as Christians or as godly people and sometimes we non-Christians I suppose you might say that are still calling on God are doing some pretty horrific stuff in the name of Jesus Christ or in the name of God and God has would have want nothing to do with that that's taking God's name in vain that's stepping across the line um, if you go to, if you go to Jesus' times, uh, and I'll, I'll throw this up here, uh, I'll give a bit of a background on this story. Basically, when Jesus turns up, there are people who, who, like I said, who have missed the whole point of this whole don't take God's name in vain. And when Jesus turns up to the temple one day, he sees all these traders, all these people selling um, animals that in the old days, the old system... If you wanted to be forgiven for your sins, you actually, actually had to bring an animal into 
into the temple and you actually had to have it sacrificed, all right, bit weird, all that sort of stuff, but that's how, that's how it used to be. That's all done away with, you know, we're not, not advocating that, don't get me wrong. But here in the temple were these people who were selling for a pretty large profit these animals and were basically fraudulent and were selling this stuff saying that, well, if you want to, if you want to sacrifice, if you want your sins forgiven, then you're going to have to purchase one of these. And they were doing that in the very temple of God. Now, you think about it, if you were God, how would that go down? If you were God, you'd be just like, man, and Jesus was fuming. How dare you say that you are a godly person, that you've got God written all over you, you know, on the badge on your shirt, but you're ripping people off. And so he, he got pretty cranky, and it's probably the crankiest account that we have of, of Jesus in the New Testament. He got pretty wild, and he, he cleared them all out and did a few different things, but... Um, but people quite often use, use God's name for, for their own gain. Using God's name for their own gain. And you think, if you go through history, through time, you, you, you see people who start wars just because they feel that, well, it's their right. They feel and they've put their name of God onto it. You think of that, you know, you go through the Middle Ages, you think of the Crusaders who basically who basically said, you're not a Christian, then you're going to die. Like, and you think, well, is that, is that what Christ was all about? Well, Christ, one of Christ's last uh, instructions were, go and make disciples, not go and kill everyone who's not a disciple. Like, there's a fairly big difference. Like, but yet they did it in the name of Christ. And you think, oh, yeah, and you can still think, you, know, you think even wars today, even stuff, people get pretty violent just because like, I disagree with the way that you know, I think you do God and this is how I do God, so you know, we're going to make sure you lose. Like, what's that? That's misuse of the name of God. Um, but if we bring it down to, to something personal or something a bit closer to home, it still goes on. Uh, you know, people still are racist in the name of God. People uh, are still, you know, in, in not too distant past, have justified things like slavery and different human rights um, issues just in the, in the name of God. Basically, they're using God for their own gain. And if we come even a step closer again and bring it down into our own lives, and I guess this is where it starts, yeah, that's all good in theory, and yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not about to go and, you know, act someone or do something real nasty to someone because, you know, in the name of God, that's not me. No, 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 I, hopefully that's not you. Hopefully we haven't got those sort of people in here, but um, welcome if you have, if you are that in any case. But, um, but do we, do we at times misuse God's name for our own game. Let me put it this way. Quite often, many of us at times, maybe not you right now, or it might have been you a while ago, or maybe it still is you right now, many of us try and find loopholes in, in God's law. Now, we're all used to finding loopholes, right? So if, if it comes tax time, or if it comes... Uh, you know, if there's, if there's something that, if it's a, like a, a traffic issue or something, you know, if you, have, you know, you hear it about it all the time, people have to go to court over some issue, people always try and find loopholes to get themselves off. Like, that's, just, that's just real normal, that's just what people do. You know, if it, and if it's legal, you think, but there's a little loophole, but it's still legal, well, I'm going to do that. Right? So, so you, know, you understand what I'm saying. So, like, let's say if you're doing your tax and, and there's this little loophole that, that's, 
that's, you know, it's still legal, so, but I can still get away with it, even if it's not real moral or ethical, I'm still going to do it, right, because it's legal. And people, that's, that's probably fairly normal practice for, for many people. But that comes back often into our, into our own relationship with Jesus Christ and into us following what the laws, we call these laws of God, these Ten Commandments that he gave. See, see God gave these, we go back to the start, God gave these commandments not so that we can win his favour, or that we can make sure that we do everything and, well, there's a little loophole so I can get out of it. God actually gave us these, these, these guidelines and these laws, as they're called, these laws of God, so that we can enjoy life, so that we can have a relationship with him and that we can have a relationship with other people. They're actually there for us. And, and many people, try, I guess, try and, and try and squeeze through these, these loopholes. Um, and I guess even we go down to, we look up... There's a verse in John, 1 John, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably heard that before. If not, maybe that's the first time. But, but you know, we think, well, if, if, we're really, if, if we say we're sorry, Jesus is going to forgive us every time. So beauty, like we'll just, it's all right, I can justify what I'm doing. And quite often we begin to, uh, we begin to do things and justify them because, justify them from our own perspective, from what the you know, we'll even look into the Bible and we can justify things that we want to do because we want to do them, not necessarily because that's what God originally had in mind. What I'm saying is, this commandment number three, don't take God's name in vain, closes that gap, closes that loophole. And basically what he's saying is, look, let's face up to God, let's be real honest, like, let's just not look for loopholes, but let's be real honest, let's have a real honest heart, let's get right down to where it, to where it matters, let's have a real honest heart and live fully for God. And it's interesting because um, I guess the opposite, the opposite thing to, to this loophole, this, this trying to get out of, like, you know, like let's, let's try and get away from, if I don't have to follow that law quite so much, then I'm going to be better off. And it, and it becomes all about us. It becomes about the things that we do. And then if we go down to our, and this is an interesting thing, if we go down to commandment number four, the fourth commandment, um, which I'll just flick to it up here, uh, it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall, uh, you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the, Lord, to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant or your animal or any foreigner within your towns. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day, therefore the Lord blessed it the seventh day and made it holy. Now right now, I would understand that you're probably thinking, how does that even relate to what you just talked about, Neil? Like, how does that relate to the... Is, is there a connection there? Well, I think there is. Um, and let me explain. Basically, this seventh... If this is the first time you've heard this, this commandment, I'll explain it just really quickly. God created the world in six days and on the seventh day he said, take a day off. And then here again in Exodus, after, after Jesus released all these people, all these Israelites from... Uh, from Egypt, he reiterated this again, he said, I want you to take a day off, I want you to have it one day in seven, he said, on the seventh day, I want you to, to rest. Now, some people, depends on your perspective, some people might think, oh, that's a bit tough, really, that's there for us, <laughs> like, what sort of a God, how good is a God who just says, I want you to have a day off a week, like, really, that's, like, that's, that's a positive thing, uh, and, 
it, what it really comes down to is he's saying in one of the, I guess one of the elements, and we're not going to talk about all the elements of, of what, how great a Sabbath can be, and, you know, we'll be here for the next three weeks if I did, but, but one of the big elements, one of the big themes, I guess, that comes through with this whole Sabbath day thing is trust. Let me explain. If, if God says you can go for six days but I want you to have one day a week off. What he's really saying is, you've got six days to make sure that you're catered for and that you have provisions for the seventh day, for an extra day. I want you to trust in me. Now, most of us, probably, most of us probably don't get paid on a daily basis. Most of us probably, you know, we're probably fairly comfortable and if we missed a day's pay, then we could probably, you know, make up the difference and it's probably no biggie. You think about back then. It was a day-to-day culture, it was a hand-to-mouth, it was a 24-7 culture. The Israelites, these people that were under the oppression, they were, they were like slaves to the Egyptians, they had to work every single day in order to, A, meet their requirements that the Egyptians had, but then they had to go and find their own food on top of all that sort of stuff. So these guys were actually under the pump. Now, some of us here, we might think, well, our business runs seven days a week, or the world economy that you know, never sleeps, all that sort of stuff. But think about these guys. These guys probably didn't eat if they didn't go out and get their own food or find their food for that day. But God's saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to stop. I want you to rest because that's good for you. But at the same time, trust me. Trust that I am looking after you. And see, so the opposite, and what I was just, this is where I'm going to link the two in. The third commandment, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't, don't try and find loopholes. Don't do things in God's name that, that you just, that really God has nothing to do with. Don't, don't say you're a Christian, but yet try and find the loopholes in Christianity just because it's better for you. The opposite to that is trust. The opposite to that is stop, rest, take a day off. Spend a full day, 24-hour period, doing nothing. Nothing with work. Stop and rest. That's trust. That's trusting that God will still take care of you even though, even though things, um, you know, things are still moving maybe in your business. I'll just quickly go back. Back in Exodus 16, this is before the Ten Commandments were given out. Uh, again, bit of a weird story if you're not if you haven't ever heard it before if you've heard it before you've heard it a thousand times but the Israelites are they're out in the wilderness they're out in the bush they're out in the scrub they've got nothing to eat there's 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 maybe a million maybe a couple of million or however many hundreds of thousands at least of these people who have, who have just gone out into the scrub and if you ever you've been on a I'll go back to the farm days now but if ever you've if ever you like say pushing like a thousand head of cattle along a road or something like that they eat out everything in their path you can just imagine this big mob of people like, like there is nothing to go around. There's no like hunt, hunt and gathering type stuff because every little thing would be eaten, every little, every little blade of grass would be chewed up by their livestock. Everything is gone. These guys were just out in the scrub all by themselves with no resources, no food, nothing. And they started to get a bit peckish. And so they've gone to Moses, had a bit of a whinge. They've gone to God and God, one morning, they wake up and there's all this white fluffy stuff on the ground or whatever it looked like. The Bible described it, called it manna. And it was a food source. These guys went around picking up this stuff and went, look at that, it's edible, I'm still alive. You know? So they started eating this stuff and it was, that was food sent from heaven. It was actually a miraculous thing. God like, rained down this, this stuff on the ground. I'm not sure they ate it for about 40 years, they say, so I'm pretty sure they're probably barely sick of it by the end of it. Um, it's like when I went over to Cambodia last year, the, 
the young people over there asked what we eat and sort of explained a few things and they were so weird, like, it was like weird as, hey Jules, like, they were like, don't you eat rice every meal? And we're like, oh, yeah, that, you know, but that's for them, they were into that, you know, they, they thought, wouldn't you eat rice every single meal? Uh, no, once a week maybe, you know. So these guys ate it for 40 years, but the point here is on the seventh day, uh, or on the sixth day, God sent twice as much. And he said, um, go, and, go and collect twice as much, uh, it'll keep for tomorrow. Before that, if anyone collected more than they had, the next morning it would go off. There was, only gonna, there was no fridge, it only lasted you know, for one day. But on this occasion, for whatever happened, another miracle, God said, trust me, go and collect twice as much, trust me, it'll be good for tomorrow. And that's what happened. He, he, he sort of, I guess, he forced them to trust him. They, they didn't have a lot of option because like, they didn't have any other food. But, but he, he demonstrated what he, what he was about. He demonstrated that this seventh day, it's all about trust. Um, Remembering, remembering what God has done for us. Um, trust versus the loopholes. And he says here, for six days, and he, this is this last bit, for six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but, on, but he rested on the seventh. What did he make? Did he make, did he make people on that, on that, you know, during that first six days? Yep. He made animals, he made the earth, he made all that stuff. He made everything. He got, he's got it covered. I guess what this is saying is, don't forget, God made all this stuff. God created the world. God created... Give it back to me. Trust me. Come to Christ for that one day. I mean, you come to Christ all the other days as well, but especially have one day off. Don't worry about what you're doing. Don't worry about what's going on. Trust me. Trust that I've got this covered. And it's interesting because if you start to think about this, I'll pick up my Bible here. If you start to think about if we really can trust God, if we really did go, you know what? I'll give you my life. I'll give you my... That, and like, I can say that real easy from up the front. And you're probably sitting here thinking, whatever. Okay, I get that. I can say that up the front going, yeah, give your life to God. That's, you know, he'll take care of you. But if you haven't done that before, that's huge. And even if you've done it before, but you haven't sort of thought about that for a while, you think, well, maybe I don't really give everything to God. That's, that's huge. You think about every little aspect of your life, I'm going to give that to you, God. I'm going to trust you with that. That's, that's handing over your life and putting it into someone else's hand. That's huge. It's not an easy thing. So I, I recognise that. You know, like I said, it's easy for me. Oh, yeah, that's like a very preachy thing to say. Give your life to God. But reality is, that's no small thing. It's quite, it's quite a big thing. But if we can... Let's say we could do that. Let's say that we could trust God with everything. Everything that we have. Now, so far we've done three weeks and we're up to commandment number four. And the series is only going to be for one more week. But I want to talk about the next five commandments really quickly. If we can trust God with everything. Commandment number six. Uh, sorry, uh, commandment number five. Sorry, honour your father and mother with... Um, so that they may live long and long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honour your mother and father. You shall not murder, number six. Number seven, don't commit adultery. Number eight, don't steal. Nine, don't lie, don't give false testimony. Number ten, don't covet. Think about those for a little bit. If I really trusted God, if I really trusted God with everything, would I ever have a need to kill someone? Would I ever have a need to steal from somebody? 
even if I was, even if things weren't going so good for me and I was really desperate or whatever, do I really have a need to, 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 to take someone else's stuff if I really trusted in God? Or if I really trusted that God has got my best interest at heart, would I really go out and have an affair with someone or commit adultery? Because, or would I think that, you know what, God has got it covered, that God will help me to be content with where I'm at? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do I need to cover it? Do I need to go, oh man, I wish I had, if only I could. Do I need that sort of stuff if I really am trusting in God? So this whole trust issue, it plays, it plays out through a relationship, not just on this one thing, but it plays out all the way through. Um, so I guess the question is, are you trusting him or are you looking for loopholes? If you, are in a, if you are in the habit of trying to dodge God, as in going, you know, and maybe you're sitting here, you're not an atheist, maybe you are an atheist and you've come to church again, welcome for the first time, maybe, but like, but if you're here, I'm guessing you probably believe there is some sort of God, okay, maybe, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm stabbing the dark, but I'm presuming, I'm going to make that presumption. But if you believe there's a God, but you may believe there's a God, but many of us often still try and dodge him. Still try and just go, well, I believe there's a God and, and maybe, maybe one day, you know, if, I've, if I'm sort of a pretty decent person, maybe I'll get to heaven and hopefully I will and we'll see what happens type stuff. Or one day I'll get close to God, I haven't really done it for a while, but maybe one day I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that and I'll pick up the Bible and I'll try and say a prayer and stuff like that. And you have this pretty mediocre relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, it's probably, may say, pretty much non-existent, but yeah, maybe there's God still there. But if you, are, if you are trying to dodge God, if you're trying to find the loopholes, just like, I'm going to go back to Jesus' time, when those Pharisees, they, they tried so hard to keep the commandments, they, tried, they, were, they made all these other rules and all these other regulations, they, they were fastidious, they were, they, were, they were so precise about exactly what they couldn't, couldn't do. Jesus Christ came along, the Messiah, the Son of God, the guy that created the earth and was sent down and, and, you know, and came down to earth and walked as a man. Here are these religious leaders, these guys at the time, these you know, people, the, the people that everyone else looked up to because they were so learned about, about the godly things. They missed him. They were so, they were so bent on trying to find the loopholes because you know, and this is what you can and can't do. And they were so bent on trying to find loopholes that they missed him altogether. And I guess the question is, if we, or the comment is, if we look for loopholes in our Christian experience, there's probably a good chance that we'll miss him altogether because it's not about that. Or, we'll go to the other side, if we can really trust God, if we can step out in faith in all different areas of our life, having a Sabbath day off, having, you know, this Sabbath day, this seventh day, I'm going to take a day off. Is it going to work for my family? Is it going to, or my business? Maybe not, I don't know. Like, what, I don't know what it is for you and, and what may be the barriers that it would be for you to actually take some time off to actually rest like Jesus and like, you know, sorry, like God has suggested here in the Ten Commandments. I don't know what the barriers might be for you, but, but if you stepped out in faith and you trusted in God, or in other areas of your life, if you stopped and trusted in God, I'll... I'll, I'll stake a reputation on it and say that you trust God, you'll find him. 
If you trust God, you will see him at work. If you step out in faith, when people step in faith, there's something that just, just grows inside you, this, a relationship, a, a, a bond that, that's like none other. You trust in God. If you surrender um, to God, you will find him. Are you trusting or are you looking for loopholes? I want one last challenge to finish up. I would challenge you, no matter where you are at, no matter, like I said before, if you is the first time you've walked in a church, welcome, you know, it doesn't matter your background, where you're from, what you believe, or you've been here for a year, been a Christian, you've been a sold out Christian for a long, long time, doesn't matter. Every single one of you, do this for me. It's a challenge. Be honest with God. That's it. Just go to God and say, honestly, this is me. That's it. That's a challenge. And just see where that takes you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, just want to thank you so very much that you've given us these, um, these instructions, these, these Ten Commandments, uh, um, and sometimes I guess we, we get pretty mixed up or you know, our, our perceptions of maybe what the past has taught us mightn't quite be exactly how you intended them, but as we look into them and, and we look at the... Um, the reason behind why you've given us and, you, and we look a bit deeper, it's just, it's just a God of love all over it and I want to thank you for that and I want to thank you for giving us uh, these and I pray, I pray that we, can, that we can be decent representatives of who you are and if we call ourselves Christians then, then we can actually um, can truly be a sold out Christian, that we can, we can um, live a life that, that you would be proud of. Yeah, well, of course, we always stuff up and we make mistakes too but that we can try and, and do our best. Um, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you that you are there to, to forgive us no matter what we've done in the past, no matter where we've been, no matter the mistakes that have happened. Uh, but I pray that we can have a, a really close and strong future um, in a friendship, in a loving friendship with you. Thanks, Lord. Amen.